there in Garhi, and you're listening to The Laughs of Your Life, the podcast where I talk to influential people about laughter. And before we kick on with the show today, I just want to say I am so happy and so grateful that The Laughs of Your Life Live on Thursday, the 13th of April, sold out in less than 30 minutes. I could never have dreamt of that happening, not to mention having the chance to put on a second date. So in case you missed out on tickets, The Laughs of Your Life Live at the Borgosh Energy Theatre on Wednesday, the 12th of April, 2023, is on sale now. I know they're selling fast, so if you want to be there, do not miss out. Head over to Ticketmaster.ie or BoardgoshEnergyTheatre.ie to nab your seats. Of course, there's going to be fabulous podcast guests, but we'll also have amazing live music and plenty of other surprises. I cannot wait to see you there. Okay, on to today's guest. From their first memories of laughter to feeling laughed at to the thing about Ireland that makes them laugh. Yeah. I remember about 18 months ago, I got a gorgeous new trench coat. Right. And I was like... I think I might be a supermodel. I'm pretty sure I am. And I was like, everybody at work is going to be obsessed with me. And the second I walked in the door, oh, Inspector Gadget, how are you? And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. I was like, come on. You can't do anything. She's incredibly funny. She's incredibly sound. We get on like a house on fire. It is my absolute pleasure to have Galway Bure, Pamela Joyce, as my guest this week. We chatted about the first washing machine shift, Pam's Inspector Gadget slash supermodel trench coat, and what she spent her 2,000 euro quiz show winnings on. This season of the Last of Your Life podcast is once again brought to you by FNF Fashion at Tesco. Pop in for the weekly shop and step out in style with a new wardrobe this autumn winter. We're in the throes of leggings, jumper, boot season, and I'm very much here for it. When it comes to coats in particular, FNF have an amazing array of styles, lengths, shapes, and sizes to have you covered for early morning coffee dashes or late evening walks. Not to mention cosy pyjamas and socks combos. Essential from now until, well, probably March really. FNF clothing available in selected Tesco stores nationwide has everything you need this autumn winter. All at great prices, whilst never compromising on quality. And now for my chat with Pamela Joyce. I hope you enjoy. Pamela Joyce, you're very welcome to the Last of Your Life podcast. Thank you so much, Darren. I really appreciate it. <laughs> oh my God, okay. It's a very giddy time. It's a Friday evening. Yes. And tomorrow morning we are hopping on the train. <laughs> I, don't, I don't, I've never listened to jazz in my life. Who cares? I just know that there's no rhythm that you can follow to it. Yeah. And but that's all I need to know. We're going for the vape. We're, we're going to have our eyes opened. We are going to be jazz connoisseurs by the time we get back. <laughs> so down to the jazz festival. This time next year, we're going to be like going Engaged. to New York. Oh, sorry. Enga- yeah. Sorry, what? <laughs> if I don't find a man at the jazz festival, I'll lose my mind. Someone described it as quote unquote a meat factory. Oh, so I let me put on my best overalls and get my meat cleaver and down I go. I'm ready to party. I don't know how to tell you this, but I think we're going to have a good time. I think we may. Anyway. <laughs> Confidential. <laughs> Moving swiftly onwards. Pam, I'm so excited that we're doing this. And uh, look, can we just do a little bit of a throwback to how we met before we commence? Okay, sure. Um, as far as I know, we were working in iRadio yes. at the time and I was doing bits and bobs. You were doing a weekend show. I was doing like the late Saturday night show. It was like 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. Yeah. or something. And I used to uh, go down during the week and mm-hmm. like try to learn about radio, blah, blah, blah. And I bumped into you a few times and I was like, I feel like we may the be vibes are there. kindred spirits. Mm-hmm. This is good. And then 
didn't I have to convince you to come down to the Christmas party? Yes. And you're like, oh, it's just really far away to drive from Dublin to Athlone. It's going to be such an effort. I said, it's fine. We're getting on a party bus, going to a mystery location. It'll be a lot of fun. Got in the bus. The bus went straight back to Dublin. <laughs> we're there in the, I was the whole way down. <laughs> absolutely fumed. Drove to Athlone. Now, I mean, it's only over an hour, but I still, I was like, for And then you'd get the bus back the next day, do bus. your show, and then drive back again. <laughs> drive back, hung over. Oh, you poor little soul. So we had a great time at the we Christmas did. party. And then we just didn't really see each other much at all. Busy, busy girl. Busy, you, not me. Business. <laughs> I didn't do anything. Um, but why, do you, why do you say that? Pam, you've been flat out with radio since Order. then. Next question, please. Thank you. You um, now have a national show. So then, yeah, we kind of did our own different things. We, yeah. were, we, we, we worked for rival stations. Yeah. Uh, so it was like oh, the Romeo and Juliet of radio. Literally. I'm Romeo, obviously. <laughs> um, and now we just said, you know what? Life's too short. Way too short. Flip it. Who cares? Who cares? Let's just be best mates again. And here we are beautiful conclusion to our story why do we always do the American together I don't know I, I, no, I generally fall into it a lot myself yeah but around you it's like yeah man oh yeah I think it's when you know so you're going to say something cringe that might, even might remotely be cringe you just do the accent to kind of counter off the blow yeah. there you go okay, uh, amazing are we ready to start yeah. <laughs> okay <clears throat> so that's all rubbish put <laughs> all that so that was in. all trash yeah. let's begin the podcast panel Joyce your first memory of laughter. I was a very happy child. I had a very, very happy childhood and I'm very lucky to have had that. I am the youngest of four, so never wanted for anything. I basically had three personal assistants around me at all times. <laughs> get me a glass of milk, get me some crisps. And they're like, yes, Pamela, of course. Um, and it's so it's kind of hard to whittle down the exact moment that that was my first memory of laughter. But um, I do have a standout moment kind of ish and might not necessarily be the first one. But uh, when I was around eight, my dad took my sisters and I to Italy for three weeks. And I think it was in September. So I went to school for the first week of fourth class. And then I was like, peace. Arrivederci, yo. I'm going to Italy for three weeks. I thought I was shit hot. So then uh, we had to, we got like the, we drove over, I think. And I just sat in the back and played my Game Boy for days and days on end it was stunning but um, we travelled around Italy and we spent a lot of time in the car and I don't really remember how it came about but I at the ripe old age of eight adopted an alter ego called Enrique and I would just turn into this Enrique every now and then I would only speak in a Spanish accent for hours (laughs) at a time like how annoying I was with you know my sisters who were in their kind of mid to late teens and my dad and then this weird child who would only speak in a Spanish accent. I can see you. And and I would just would be Enrique. So anytime there was like... Why well, was Enrique when we knew when you were in Italy? In Italy, I don't know. Yeah. I think I just, I felt him. <laughs> he used my soul. So like we'd walk around the place and they were like, okay, Pam, you're ready? I'd be like, yes. And I just would constantly be the Spanish person. I'd be like, yes. I would read the menu in the accent. I would talk about everything I can see. There's a Trevi Fountain. There is Michelangelo's David. Over and over. And that was just... What I did. So it, it was kind of my first memory of how powerful laughter is. Because you know, when you're with like my dad and three teenage girls yeah, and a little eight-year-old, tension's pretty high. Yes. It's likely at some stage, we were there for three weeks, it's likely someone had their period at every stage. <laughs> and my poor father was like, Jesus, the tension, I can't cope. And every now and then when the tensions got a little bit high, Enrique burst down the door. I'm here. Hello, everybody. How are you doing? Yes, everything's okay. And then everyone would just laugh and have the crack, and it was fine. So, um, yeah, the tensions could be high, and Enrique would come and and fix everything, soften the soften the, the blow. Yeah, and I think it was also, you know, this. It was kind of the first time that I realized, oh, 
performing is kind of fun. I, I was just about to ask. I like this. Of course I was, because I'm so predictable yeah. now with the podcast. No, no, no. But <laughs> performing for you is like second nature. We know this now. Uh, sure. And, and has, it always, has it always been that way? I think it's one of those things. I, I get more enjoyment out of making people laugh. Yes. Than people making me laugh. So like, I don't go to that many comedy gigs. Um... I know. Me I just, either. I'm like, I'm probably funnier than the comedian. So what's all, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Sometimes I feel that, but no, then I'm kidding. no, for me, it's more, I actually, I'm afraid, I'll, I'm afraid I'll be inspired if I go. Right. I'm like, I'm no like, I actually want to know. I could do that. I'm like, but I, I kind of feel that way about a lot of things like Jennifer Lawrence and Hunger Games. I could do that. Not a problem. <laughs> I could use a bow and arrow. No problem. Um, but I, I did do stand up once. Did you? Yeah. When? Actually twice. Once I did it for a campaign <laughs> And Joanne McNally actually was my mentor. Stop. Yeah. And she taught me how to be a comedian. And what did you learn? Um, be funny. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Essentially, one piece of advice she gave me was that stand-up or comedy is not people telling funny stories. It's funny people telling stories. And then I was wow. like, aha. So you can actually, if you have, you know. If you have the gift, the, the storytelling You can gift. tell any story. You can, you know, add I can do that. bits and I can, yeah, <laughs> win an Oscar. I can do that. Mm, Not a problem. Um, so yeah, I guess that kind of first memory of laughter is what made me be like, okay, I like to be entertaining people. I like to be performing. Maybe they don't like it, but I like it. And that's what matters. Do you think the youngest sister thing is a massive part? Because I know for me it was. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. You're just so obsessed with wanting them to think you're cool. Yes, you're like I, because there's seven years between my next sister and then 11 years and then 13. So, you know, I was probably on my own a lot as a kid. Yeah. Freak. And um, I kind of, anytime they were around or their friends were in the houses, uh, I'd be like doing a little show. I'd be like, I'm going to go and blow their minds. And I'd go in and dance like Slave for You or something. They'd be like, your sister's a freak. Get her out. Sorry. (laughs) She's so weird. Slave. Yeah. the, The little dance break. Yeah, I learned it off what by heart. Snake? And I used to wear like a little um, bandana, my little belly would be hanging out. <laughs> but I, I just like the performing element of it. And I think it, the being the baby of the family definitely. Yeah. I think we feel we have something to prove. Of course we do, because they and, hate us. Yeah, uh, but also they're like, oh, we better humor her and let her do this. Yeah. And it kind of gives us a space to be like, I'm good at this. Yeah. Everyone loves watching my shows. And that just, it, it just gets you going then. It just becomes your thing. Yeah. And look what they've created. Uh, monsters. Two monsters. <laughs> Two absolute self-absorbed, <laughs> self-obsessed yeah. monsters. Who we're living in and owning it. Mm-hmm. Here's the accent again. Okay, Pam, mm-hmm. the first time you felt laughed at. This now, I talk about it a lot with a fella that I was in primary school with. So I was, I was a very small child, like way below average for my age. Uh, when I went to secondary school, we were all assigned our lockers and I had to go to the office and be like, hi, um, I can't reach my locker. Can I have a different <laughs> oh, one, please? Judy. I was, yeah, I was really, really tiny. Um, I'm still, I'm about five, three or five, four yeah. now. I'm not a tall person, but I was abnormally small as okay. a child. Um, and in primary school, we were in first class, I think. And teacher came in and we're doing a maths lesson. And she put out the meter stick and we're learning about a meter and this, that and the other. And she went through, right, this is bigger than a meter. This is smaller than a meter. And she asked the class, okay, does anybody, you know, see anything in the class that's smaller than a meter? And a fella called Sean put his hand in the air and said, Pamela. And it was so mean. And I was this tiny little thing. And like, I was upset about it, but I didn't want anyone to know I was upset. And I was like, Sean, you prick. (laughs) Even if I 
else smaller than a meter Leave me off say it Might I add I got six Valentine's cards In second class So being short Didn't hold me back Thank you But uh, Everyone in the class Kind of giggled Six cards Six Bam Yeah I peaked way too early (laughs) Haven't gotten a single one since Um, But everybody in the class Kind of had a little giggle When Sean said Oh Pamela's smaller than a meter And you remember those moments? You remember them And then But what I also remember Is the follow up moment So the teacher gave us A little bit of work to do About our meter sticks And every time I saw a meter I was like triggered Um, But she came over to me Well everyone was quiet Doing their work And she came over to me And put her hand on my shoulder And she said The best goods come In the smallest packages isn't that so now cute? That's a good teacher. How wrong she was. Look at me <laughs> on the stage. But no, that that really stuck at me. I was like, do you know what, Sean? You're a fool. I might be smaller than a meter, but I don't know where this analogy is going. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's so. But my heart, but my heart is a ne- meter squared. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, so that was the first memory of being laughed at. What were you like in school? Did you enjoy school? Extremely I loved school Very diligent Um, Sorry Can I just note Of all of the people Who've been on The Last of Your Life podcast On a scale of Doing no homework And rocking up Thinking that it's just You know Not a big deal Mm -mm. To doing all of their homework Printing out their answers And stapling the sheets And putting them in a folder Yeah That is you That's me Oh my god I can't get get over the notes Um, Look organisation is key But I loved school did you love your stationery and, and all that kind of stuff? Oh. <laughs> wow. Well, this is a family podcast. <laughs> um, I, I just loved school. I loved, but I loved the social aspect of it. And I loved the learning. I love learning. I'm obsessed. Like I'll, now I'll do like random courses. I'll learn French or I'll do a course on like, you know, the Mayan civilization in Stop. Central and South America. Just for the crack. Just love it. Do you, Pam? Love learning stuff, yeah. You are fluent in Spanish. I am. Since when? I started it in first year in school. And Did you just love languages? Yeah, a bit of a language sponge. I think it's because I went to the Gael Tucked when I was like way too young. I think I was like nine. Sorry, Mom I'd say like, you were it. queen Gael Tucked. I actually was. I'd say you definitely were. I actually were. won um, the Gael in my first year and Gratham and Kalash in my fourth year. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kinead. <laughs> Um, love the girl talk because again you're going having the crack yeah did you get the shift oh god no what I think actually I had my first shift ever in Kernamona in my four, fifth year in the girl talk yeah, uh, fifth year in school no no no, no. Oh. it's my fifth time going to the girl talk summer Ew. of first year I think oh yeah and I was like yeah so this fella from swords his name is Joey redhead hot oh mine was red my first shift was redhead you see? In the Gael talk at the summer of first year. How cute! In Kalosh the Akla. the same person. And three <laughs> of my friends had already scored him. Yeah. It has to be though. I think he was just like stood in the same spot and all the frigids came up to him and it was like a little <laughs> Literally. conveyor belt of frigids coming towards him. That is the guy. That, that's what I had. But it was the most traumatizing experience of my life. It's that so it scary. didn't shift anybody again until the next The following summer! I didn't shift anybody again for the, the following year. summer. Yeah, and every time I went home and saw the washing machine, I was triggered because I was like, that is oh, too much tongue. That and every time I saw it, I was like, gross. Exact yeah. same for me. Yeah. And when I, after I got the washing machine first shift, I went back to the house the, to the, and I was like to the Valentine, I was like, can I ring me, mom? I, I <laughs> rang my mom, mom and I was like, mom, I kissed someone and she was like, ah, 
dad, Eugene, Eugene. No, don't tell dad. Someone in the and my dad no. was like, I'll let me talk to her. Well, how was it? How was it? Horrific. Full on family experience. Oh, that's pretty cute though. Okay, sorry, go on. So then the following summer. Okay, right. So then you were a shifting machine. Shifting machine. What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> school, yes. School was great. Yeah. Uh, got to secondary school, was quite diligent. Never went to the principal's office. Never failed an exam. Was like the kind of in between, like I wasn't a SWAT. But the teachers loved me, but like I had to crack. Yeah. But like was still diligent. Homework needs to be done, kind of girl. Like I'm not trying to copy you. <laughs> I was kind of the same. Yeah. We're one and the same. Donica and Carl often say to me they would have hated to have been in school with me because I I I do a thing where like I can I make them laugh, but as soon as you're about to get in trouble with our producer, I I'm the one that's like guys, guys even though I've been on. the one to plant the seed. Guys, that's not fair on teachers. Stop. <laughs> yeah. You're only fooling yourself. <laughs> Come on, guys. That is me. Would you have been the type to like um, be like, I didn't do any study for this. I actually forgot we had it. I wouldn't and go to that those lengths. But I'd be like, oh, I, like, I, yeah, I think I'll do okay. But then I actually would yeah. do really well. Yeah. <laughs> Can you get one hundred and one percent? Yeah, I did. <laughs> no, we're the same. We are one. I think it's same. a good way to be. It's a good medium. It's a balance. Yeah. Okay, Pam. The moment when, if you didn't, <laughs> the sheets. I'm just turn. Excuse me. Speaker of the house, just wait a moment while I get my notes ready. Go on. The moment when if you didn't laugh, you'd cry. I don't really have a specific standout memory of this, but it's kind of um, something that's been instilled in me by my mom. And mom's motto is, sure, you have to be laughing. Always. It was just, that. sure, you have to be laughing. So anytime anything goes wrong, whether it's something as small as a friend getting dicked over by a lad. Can I curse? Of course you okay. can curse. Whether it was a friend getting dicked over by a lad or, you know, even something as tra- tragic as someone dying or something. Yeah. I always try and inject a little bit of comic relief because I think there's enough misery and sadness in the world and you'll be feeling that sadness for long enough. I'll just kind of jump in and like make a really inappropriate joke yeah, and to. hope for the best. Sometimes they land, sometimes they don't. So I wasn't quite sure that radio was definitely what I wanted to do, but I said, sure, look, we'll give it a go. Uh, and I got a position as an intern in iRadio. And I had to move to Athlone. Now, bear in mind, I just moved back from Spain. For, I had no money. I didn't drive. And I had to move out. Like, the, I mean, you would assume, no offense, that Athlone is all sticks. But think of the sticks of Athlone. Right. That's how, that's how far out it was. The bus stopped running at like six o'clock at night. So like I couldn't even go into the cinema and come back out. Um, so it was a bit like, oh, so I come back to the house every evening and be like, all right, okay, this is my life now. And I wasn't like making any money. So I was just there as an intern, hoping for the best, hoping to soak it all up. And there was a few times where I was a bit like, oh, this could be a terrible mistake. Maybe I should have stayed in Spain. Was this the right choice? What am I going to do? But then I'd go into work and I'd remember that actually was really, really sound people around me. Yeah. And I had a lot of friends there and I have a lot of really, really fond memories from my time in our radio. And you'd go in and just be laughing the yeah, whole I can time t- you were there. And I can, I can tell you have very fond memories yeah. from it and you still have friends from it. Because even at the Imros, the radio awards uh, a couple of weeks ago, I'd always like stand up or clap for the iRadio awards. Yes. Like, Sit down, Pamela. I, I'm like, no, I'm allowed to be happy for my friends. I she know. Knows. Yeah, I know they were joking like, but, but that's know. why I love the as well because yeah. I, I, I've been a little radio slut as well. Radio and, war. <laughs> as in I've been, I've done a few of the rounds and like, I'd love meeting up with everyone yeah. that you've worked with. It's nice. And sorry, I just love that about radio. Like, um, I did the school of radio mm-hmm. and Phil Cawley, one of the, he, he was, um, a teacher on it. What is it? No, a lecturer. Um, I mean, the... I currently teach on it, so you can say <laughs> lecturer. Do you, Yes. Oh my God, do you? That's fine. So he was one of the lecturers and I, I always remember he was like, 
the only advice I have for you in radio is just be sound. Yeah, just be a nice person. And it's all, all you need to do. Because there's the, like, at the Emeralds, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. But there's a lot of ego squished into one function room as this well. This is very true. At the same time. Um, but I think, like anything I do in life, I just try to be nice to everyone. But it's on air and off air. Because if you're like, if you're not sound on air, like people tell. People can tell. A mile off. People can absolutely tell who gets on with who. Yeah. Who's not, you know, so pally with the other shows or this, that and the other. People can tell. And people want, you know, to think that, oh, you know, this station I listen to, they're actually all really good friends and they're good colleagues and they all get on. Pam, yeah. your no laughing matter moment in life. This one now is a funny one. Excuse the paradox. Um, I am genuinely very happy person. 90% of the time, I'm happy. I try and see the positive and everything. Bouncing around the street. Love having the crack with people, having the chats. My favorite thing in the world to do is get into a taxi and just like shoot the breeze with a taxi driver. Have the crack. <laughs> love talking to people. Love being good crack. But there is um, a few spells in my life where I haven't quite been the happy-go-lucky Pam that I normally am. And that's because I have suffered from and I think will continue to suffer from depression and anxiety. Um, and I've been, I'm happier than I've ever been in my life. I'm extremely happy now and I'm very happy and I hope that it continues this way. Um, but I think something that I've, you know, accepted is that I will always have depressive episodes in my life. It's not just like, oh, remember that time 20 years ago when I had depression? I think I just am a depressed person and I'm going to have highs and I'm going to have lows. Um, and it, 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 for me, luckily, it tends to be started by an event, like whether it's a breakup or, you know, the pandemic hit me pretty hard as well. Really? There seems to be kind of like a catalyst to it. It's not just like, oh, I'm depressed for no reason, which I'm, I'm glad that, you know, when there when there is something that sets it off, it's much easier to resolve. Of course. And to figure it out and to work around it. But um, yeah, I've had moments of feeling extremely, extremely low and just being like, oh, what's it all for? What's it all about? Things that would normally have brought me joy just didn't interest me at all. Like when I was like, radio is my favorite thing in the entire world. I love doing it. There'd be times where I was doing early breakfast now. That's not good for anyone's head to be on air at 5am. That is not easy. But, you know, I'd wake up and be like, oh, I should go to the show. And I would just like trundle through the show and straight after the show into the car home, into bed until three or four in the day. Because it was just easier to not be awake. So I wouldn't have to think about it. And you just, yeah, you just wake up and be like, all right, it's four o'clock now. I'll get up, I'll have something to eat. I'll watch telly for a bit and then I can go back to bed. Great. And you were just waiting for it to get dark or waiting for it to be a suitable time to go to bed. So you could just kind of block it out, all out, put the earplugs in, eye mask on, sexy, lights out. <laughs> Don't think about it for a few hours. Yeah, it's wild. When did you first notice that part of your personality, or when did it first so yeah apparent that you suffer from depression? It was I was about twenty twenty, I would say. It's about ten years ago. Yes. Um, I had never really had any experience with it. No one I knew that I knew of no one talked about it no so one I didn't really talked about it yeah I was like oh well, depressed people are in psychiatric wards that's it yeah. they don't just walk around living their lives um, and I was in third year in college at the time and I had to go on my Erasmus and I was only going for three months because I was doing well, long story short I was only going for three months um, and I had a boyfriend at the time and we decided right yeah great we'll stay together I said you know it might just be easier if we just break up for three months we can stay in touch but technically we won't, you know, be together. So that if anything happens, he said, nope, want to stay with you, mad about you, I'll be over to visit you, yada, yada, yada. I said, okay, obsessed with me. Um, and <laughs> so I set off on my J1, on my Erasmus. And I think two days in, I got a call from a friend to be like, yeah, no, I found him in bed with someone. I was like, oh, cool. Sorry, in bed? Yeah. 
little no. Willie flapping around the place. Um, <laughs> emphasis on the little. Um, but sorry, yeah. I, I'm so conscious not to clap. I always clap. clap. When I'm about, no, I can't. Clap like a little oh, seal. I, oh, I do clap an actual like seal. I do an actual arr, clap. Arr, arr. Um, the lads, yeah, the lads thank agree. You. Oh, thank you, gentlemen. <laughs> um, but yeah, so and I feel awful for my friend because what a horrible phone call to have to make. Well, fair play to her. But yeah, so I was in a foreign country, barely spoke the language at the time. My dad had just left. Um, he brought me over and stuff to settle me. And he, the night, the day he left, I got the phone call to be like, yeah. Um, oh my God. And I hadn't really had any experience of it up to that point. And I think if I'd been at home, I might've been all right. Yeah. But it was the fact that I was like, oh, I actually don't know where I am. I don't really speak the language. I don't have any friends. <laughs> Everything's fine. And it just very quickly spiraled. I would have absolutely booked a flight and gone home. How did you stick it? Well, the problem was it was the off season. So you couldn't get a direct flight. If I could, yeah. I was marooned in Valencia. Stop. Horrific. Um, but you couldn't get a direct flight. I think it would have been like a nine. I would have had to go to France and yada yada. And I was like, do you know what? My parents kept saying, you can do it. Stick it out. It'll be the best thing you ever do for yourself. And it was. Yeah. I stuck it out. It was horrendous for the first two and a half months and then I had two weeks of a sun holiday <laughs> and then I came home um but I learned an absolutely unbelievable amount about myself and said you know what if you can get over that you'll be fine a million percent yeah and I'm like whatever happen to bed whatever you want yeah with your little willy look at my stationery that's what I have to show <laughs> my homework um so yeah and, and probably since then I've had maybe two more less two less kind of severe episodes of okay. it but um the pandemic I suppose as well because I was I'm my all my family was in Galway and I was in Dublin I remember there was a video of you on air on Today FM yeah like a dweeb no, you crying about dweeb. the Easter dinner like no, it it's was a roast so, chicken pan like a grip it was so palpable like we all feel uh, that it came out of nowhere though you just basically just were like doing a normal link reading out a text and then I was like uh oh I can hear my voice going up. and then you hear your voice going and then your eyes start going as a reaction um, Anyone who didn't see it, you were basically like, if count yourself lucky yeah. if you're allowed, if you can if be you, around your family, because exactly. I would give anything to be. Yeah. And I take it all back. <laughs> Having <laughs> since gone home. No, really. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, it was a weird little time and it was just a thing of circumstance, I think. Yeah. Um, being in the same house with, say, and I love my friends that I lived with at the time, but you know, if I had been at home with my family, I probably would have gone spare as well. Exactly. So it was just a circumstantial thing and I'm a lot more capable now of saying, oh, that's a little red flag. Remember the last time you felt that way? It yes. Fully spiraled. So when you start to feel that way, kind of check in, go through the whys, figure it out. And yeah, it's a, it's a process. It is a process. And you kind of just, you get to know yourself. You get to learn a lot. And everyone says that, that we both recently turned 30 mm. and some more recent than others. <laughs> and, <laughs> and everyone's saying that your thirties are like the best decade of your life. Yeah. Cause I think a lot of my, um, depression and anxiety came from a lack of just kind of a lack of who am I because, or, you know I don't know who I am people, what's my purpose I don't really know what I stand for or who I am people say your 20s or your 30s is like your 20s but you have a few more bob yeah. and you don't give a shit and you know who you are you're like no I know exactly who I am and this is I'm gonna do so I'm really excited for my 30s bring it on Pam yeah the person you always laugh with I hate giving her the credit no I was gonna say you but I feel as though that was a bit lick mm. Yeah. No one's so, ever said it, so it would have been okay. first. But I mean, it's fine. You know it. You know it. It's really you. But I have to, you know, be sentimental and give my sister the credit. Go on. Um, I am very lucky. I have a lot of wonderful people in my life. Um, most notably yourself. Um, I have loads of wonderful colleagues. I have loads of wonderful friends. But for me, it always comes back to family. Of course. And I have three sisters. I get on with them all fabulously. But my closest sister to me, Serena 
it's the weird, like we are complete chalk and cheese in a lot of ways, but in other ways, we're the exact same person. I can't tell you how many times we say the exact same sentence at the exact same time. Stop, jinx. And then even the way we react, we react to it <laughs> is the exact same. Our body language is the exact same. Um, you know, whether we're like, we'll sit in bed. So when we go back to our home house, mum has students in the house, so we have to share a bed. Ugh. <laughs> and we'll sit in the bed and watch like old music videos on our phone dream for like two hours and then one of us will get up and do like the dance break for the other one with no bra on tits flying everywhere <laughs> and just having a great time so we'll do that but then we'll also kill each other about something else but midway through the fight one of us will just start laughing and we'll just we'll just have a lot of fun together there's nothing so, like it now it's guaranteed laugh guaranteed fight of course so we've learned right over Christmas we have until about day three until one of us needs to go for a big walk on our own because we're glued to each other <laughs> yeah. all Christmas and then they'd be like I'm going to go for a walk when I come it's like no. no this is the one that needs to be and we're like okay no problem and we know now that yeah. we need to have our own space, space. but uh, no guaranteed laugh with Serena she's your person yeah whatever <laughs> I hate giving her credit love you Serena yeah okay Pam a time where you had the last laugh a time where I had the last laugh now I'm big quizzer oh, of course love you quizzing of course yeah you are. yeah um, and I always, always, always watch the chase at my mum or any quiz show going tipping points too easy. I'm not going to lie. So <laughs> mostly the chase. And I was in final year in college and an ad came up, I think after the chase that TV, what was TV three at the time were doing their own quiz show. Yeah. And I said, mom, give me that iPad. I need to apply for it. So I whipped the iPad out of her hand and applied for it. Didn't think anything of it. Yeah. And then I got an email to be like, Hey, you've been shortlisted to be a contestant. And we'd love to have you on. We'd love to do a pre-interview with you. Right. I said, I'll do it in my sleep. Not a problem. But then having been in final year, yeah. I was out in the town the night before. Right. So I get this call at like nine o'clock on a Wednesday. Still pissed as a fart. Reeking a curry sauce. <laughs> and I was like, fine, this is fine. Yeah, so your man starts asking me questions. Didn't get a single one right. Every single one completely <laughs> blanked and would give like the most ridiculous answer. Right. And I could... I was like, oh, I completely tanked that because there was two grand on the line. Like the top yeah. price is 2,000 euros. I was like, that'd be delicious now heading into summer final year. Yeah. And I was like, oh, fuck, I tanked that now. And I heard, I could, I could actually hear his smile on the end of the phone. He was like, right, so Pamela, we'd like to, we'd like to invite you to compete. And I was like, oh, great. Maybe I wasn't as bad as I thought. And then I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This guy thinks I'm thick. He's going to bring me on to so make that a you're fool shit. of me. So okay. that I'm crap because you can't have every contestant be amazing. Of course. You need a bit of crack. So I said, fine, I'll show you. Big tickle. I got on the bus up to Dublin. I was in Galway at the time. Got on the bus up to Dublin and got a little taxi out to TV3 at the time. And I was petrified. And we went into the big setting and it was it was four contestants at a time. Right. And a contestant got knocked out in every round. Now, I don't know if it had been, you know, passed around the studio that I was a big tickle, but no one was going, no one was trying to knock me out. Right. Because they all wanted to face me in the final. Well... Didn't I win the bloody thing? No, you didn't. Yeah. yeah. Two grand. And, and two grand. And not by like, oh, everyone else got knocked out. I actually performed very well. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah. my, I, why can't we do a mic drop on this bang, podcast? Bang. Bang the mic. Wow. Uh, so yeah. Bam. Yeah, it was pretty good. You won it. Yeah, I actually still have the footage and I will not put it anywhere because I have a pixie haircut in it. <laughs> like Frankie from the Saturday? Uh, yeah, but more like... Frankie when she's 80 right it just didn't <laughs> right it wasn't a vibe wasn't just in that particular clip you know, setting yeah right great so uh and you got the two oh my god the two grand two grand I think delighted. it was like April of final year and I was like the possibilities are endless what did you spend it on a pair of runners and about 400 Jager bombs. 
that's genuinely I was like I could go on another J- all my friends are going on a J1 that I didn't get to go on I was like I could do that I could do savings I could get a car no pair runners and double Jager locker rebels and Jaeger bombs all summer long and I regret nothing Oh, it was about it was about two weeks all summer long. <laughs> I don't think so. I was like, I actually want a quiz show. I'll lie, yeah, your mom come over here. Um, but yeah, I definitely think they thought I was going to be shit. Yeah, they were like, this is the gold now. This is the shit contestant. Yeah, the young girl who's all you know thinks she's amazing. I'm proud of you. Thank you so much, uh, Pam. If laughter wasn't the best medicine, what would be? Diet Coke. Always. I am more Diet Coke than anything else in mind. I, I have more blood. I have more Diet Coke in my body than I do blood. I'm obsessed. I love a Diet I'm more of a Coke Zero person, but anyway. I alternate. Do you? I do, yeah. Some days I'm like, it's a Diet Coke day. Some days a Coke Zero day. But in all seriousness, I would say that um, going out to the West of Ireland is my medicine. And you get that as well with Claire. Uh, my dad is from Clifton. So as often as I can, I get out there to him. He lives out there. Get out there. Like the second I get past Mam Cross, it's like my shoulders drop. Yes. And I'm just like, huh, okay, I don't know if it's like the mountains or that I'm like a country girl. Um, I'm not sure. But like, I'll get out to Connemara, I'll go to dad's house and it's just so chill. You're not under pressure to do anything. Yeah. We might go out and play a bit of golf. Might go for a few pints, go for a walk, Fab. walk up the town. And this like, when I'm driving out of Clifton after my weekend there, I'm like, oh God, I, I always have a cry. Just do as like you? this cathartic kind of let it all out. I had such a nice time there. And then I get back to real life and I'm like, okay, yeah. I'm done. I've let it all out. I've had a nice... Po- Life fully goes on pause when oh, I go there. Do you know? It's so true. Like, you're just like, do you know what? Look at all this gorgeousness around me and lovely people and the best pint of Guinness you'll ever have in the Connemara Golf Club, by the way. Um, it's... You, you're there and you're like, do you know what? The fact that that boy didn't text me back doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. The fact that I messed up that link in the show the last day doesn't matter. There's bigger things in the world. The listeners are going to be like, why are you so obsessed with her? But like, I keep copying everything you say but honestly but it's, still. but it's so true yeah. I remember I used to like in leaving cert year I'd, I'd be like I'm going to go down to Clare and I'm just going to bring my books and study it mm-hmm. as soon as you go past the ball on the Nace Road you're just like no I'm not studying no, I'm going to enjoy myself you just forget about everything everything's gone everything's on pause but like you when I get back to Dublin I'm like busy business bitch let's yeah, go straight back into it but you need the kind of moments of pauses you need and- it Wow, look at that gorgeous mountain over there that I'm never going to climb, that I keep saying I will. <laughs> you look great. You're doing amazing, sweetie. Well done. <laughs> okay, Pam, the thing about Ireland that makes you laugh. We're assholes. <laughs> like, we are assholes and we're so funny about it. Like, you cannot get away with that thing. Yeah. I remember about 18 months ago, I got a gorgeous new trench coat. Right. And I was like, I think I might be a supermodel. I'm pretty sure I am. And I was like, everybody at work is going to be obsessed with me. And the second I walked in the door, oh, Inspector Gadget, how are you? And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. I was like, come on. You can't do anything. You Nothing. can't have any airs of graces about yourself. If you know you look well, no one will say anything to you. And they're like, she knows she looks great. I'm it's not so going to say anything. Um, so we're dickheads, like. <laughs> but we keep each other in line. It's so good. And that's what's important. The best one I saw recently was someone uh, who was aw- had been away a lot like throughout the summer mm. and everyone was like everyone was calling them Catherine Thomas <laughs> in the office it's just like you can't do you a can't single thing do a thing like look just off there enjoying their life on holidays oh Catherine Thomas yeah. <laughs> no frontiers perfect <laughs> I'm filming again that's a good one yeah okay Pam are you ready for your quick fire um, sorry let me pull my notes up <laughs> yes this I got, I'm a bit nervous about a few of these answers but go on okay Pamela Joyce yes 
The actor that always makes you laugh. I've gone for Andy Samberg. Oh. Yeah. Because Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I, I never really was an Andy Samberg fan before. He's the guy from Lonely Island. Yeah. I never really would have been a massive fan. Mm. But Brooklyn Nine-Nine is one of the funniest TV shows I've ever watched in my life. And Andy Samberg is perfect. And he's highly involved in the writing and the producing. And his character, Jake Peralta, is just... Amazing. Absolutely flawless. So highly recommend. Uh, the actress that always makes you laugh. Amy Poehler. Amazing. Like, come on. Come on. There's no one better in come the world. On. I feel as though Parks and Rec is grossly underappreciated it's so funny I kind of think Maya Rudolph is a little bit funnier I kind of think you're wrong <laughs> so are you yeah you too <laughs> really um, I just it's her particularly in Parks and Rec her character Leslie Nope a couple of people have said to me that I remind them, them of, you do actually yeah, and I'm like oh am I grossly offended or is that a compliment a massive compliment I think it's a bit of both um but no, she's just the game before. I love her. She's just so funny. And she's always up for the crack. Yeah. Big, big fan. Tina Fey? Ugh. Meh. 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 Yeah. Uh, the movie that always makes you laugh out loud. This film I could recite verbatim just uh, dodgeball. I love it. Is that your favourite? Is that your favourite? What are you doing? Pam. Why are you being a freak? Why are you being a freak? Why are you being a freak? <laughs> dodgeball is so underrated. It's so good. I'm fucking so I obsessed to, I used to have I used to have it on my iPod Touch. <laughs> I, used to, I used to watch it all the time. I yeah. can't. Yeah, he will not be able to see very well, Catton. It's just so good. You can dodge a wrench, you can, you can dodge. dodge a ball. Dodge, <laughs> dip, dip, dive, and dodge. dodge. <laughs> it's so underrated. It's such a good There's film. There's so many good I actually characters. Probably haven't watched it in. I mean, about a year I'd I say I don't know how to ask you this I'm gonna break will out you the iPod watch touch. it with me? I will darling I'll break out the iPod touch <laughs> and we'll get one of the extenders so we can have two pairs of headphones plugged in at the same time because obviously like so within the mix of like Bridesmaids Anchorman whatever no one says it and I, it's like I feel as though it got a little bit lost it got lost people kind of overlook it I love it yeah nobody makes me bleed my own blood <laughs> it's so good it's just so genius unbelievable well, I'm glad you enjoyed that okay Pam the comedian that always makes you laugh the obvious one is Joan McNally. Of course. She's flawless. The queen. Um, we but, bow down. Yeah, we do. But for variation, <laughs> I'm going to go with someone really obscure. You might know him. His name is Tommy Turner. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. That's a real curveball yeah, for us he's here. kind of up and coming comedian. Um, he was a massive part of like my childhood and growing up. Um, everybody in my family is obsessed with him. We have, uh, I think it's like, is he in Vicar Street? I think it maybe Oh my God. The, the VHS. One. Yeah. And we, I'd say like we watched that until it just did not exist anymore. I definitely was too young to be watching it. <laughs> yeah. But this divilment in him all the time. The eyes are dancing around in his head. The physicality can, is yeah. such a massive problem. And he's just, the way he tells a story is unbelievable. Unrivaled. Unrivaled, unparalleled. <laughs> Sorry to trigger you, unprecedented. Um, he's, he's, he's a genius. And I just, like, I remember I was in college and I was at the big Tesco across the bridge in Galway. Uh, big journey. And um, I was walking down one of the aisles and Tommy started walking towards me. And I think I had like a packet of Doritos and some marshmallows or something in my hand. Sexy night in. And I just, he walked towards me and I just completely lost all sense of who I was. And I just placed the Doritos and marshmallows on the shelf and walked out. I was like, I can't exist in a world where I met Tommy Turner and I can't do it. I just completely lost my mind. And he was just in doing his weekly food shop with a bit of cereal and a bit of milk. This has altered my path for the rest of my life. So yeah, I don't, I don't do well with meeting famous people. Oh. 
yeah, I panic a bit. And finally, Pam, your best or worst joke? I actually hate telling jokes. I like telling stories. I hope you haven't heard this one before. Go on. You may have. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> what do you call an Irish man hanging from the roof? Oh God, I don't know. Chandelier. Oh my god, Pam, we've had so much fun. We've had a lot of fun. I'm actually like sweating. (laughs) So am I. I I'm really bad for my poor chair. And my jeans are sopping. I am sweating. Yeah, sign of a good time. Yeah, we'll be sweating all weekend at the jazz festival, baby. (laughs) The meat factory. The meat factory. I'm so excited. Next sausage, please. (laughs) (laughs) Pamela Joyce, thank you so much for sharing the last (laughs) An absolute pleasure, my love. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to The Laughs of Your Life with Pamela Joyce. I really hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget, tickets for The Laughs of Your Life live at the Borgosh Energy Theatre on Wednesday the 12th of April are on sale now from ticketmaster.ie or borgoshenergytheatre.ie. This podcast is produced by Chemistry Media and Collaborative Studios and this season of The Laughs of Your Life is brought to you by FNF Fashion and Tesco.